This is the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Hello, it's Mark here, and welcome to the Clonmel Podcast, episode 152 for this Friday, the 20th of October, brought to you by the Village Grill Clarahan. And did you know they have their own food truck on the road, which is available for private event hire in your own home or venue? Search Soul Pan Food Truck on Google Play and download their app or order on the website www.soulpanfoodtruck.ie. So, how was your week? Hope it went well. I know, another storm came our way this week. Storm Babbitt, I think it was called. Big shout out to the 40 visitors from Peoria, Illinois, who travelled to Clonmel to mark the 25th anniversary of the town's twinning. Hello to you all. We also found out this week that Clonmel Winter Pride will take place on Saturday, the 25th of November, and we'll have more on this in the coming weeks. The Nationwide team were in Feathered and Colusty this week, filming a piece about Maggie Ma from Slevenamon. Well done to the Talbot Hotel, who picked up three awards at the Irish Hotel Awards in Dublin during the week. Congratulations there. The Junior Cert results were also out this week, and congratulations to all of you who received them. And best of luck to Clonmel Commercials, who take on JJ Brackens in the Tipperary Senior Football Final on Sunday at Semple Stadium. Come on, Commercials. So what is coming up this week on the Clonmel Podcast, I hear you ask. Well, I'm joined by Bernie Lennon on classic cars and bikes, Marleyfield and Powerstown. I've got news on a clothing swap shop coming to town, Oldbridge FC having a night at the dogs, and the winners of our hashtag Where's Bella competition are announced. But first, it's time for another episode of this. And now, it's time for Dean McGrath to join Mark as they explore more of the history of Clonmel. This is Historic Clonmel. Time for another episode of Historic Clonmel, joined again by Dean McGrath. Dean, where are we this month? Uh, We are on O'Connor Street, and we're standing outside Sherlock's Lane, uh, number 62. O'Connor Street. Now, the reason that we're here, Mark, is because between Sherlock's Lane and Hopkins Lane, which many people would know, there's actually two lanes which are now closed up. So the reason that I chose to come here is basically we heard about the town's fearsome executioner while we were on Gallows Hill. And as we said, in the mid-1700s, Darby Brahan was without a doubt the most feared man in South Tipperary. Darby was the town's appointed public executioner in the 1760s. But who was Darby Brahan? And what do we know about the man who continues to live in infamy in Clonmel's history? The truth is we actually know very little of his early life. But we know, do know that Darby left a lasting legacy of fear in our town in the 1700s. Several sources agree that Darby Brahan lived just off Main Street, so this is now O'Connell Street, mm. in a laneway that bore his name, Brahan's Lane. Now this is fact. But sources disagree about which exact lane this was, given that at the time of 1840 and the local area maps, there was 18 lanes. Many are now blocked up, but 18 18 lanes lanes ran off the streets of old O'Connell Street on both sides of the road. And sadly, many of these have been blocked up in the intervening years. So there are two theories about the lane Bratton lived in and what was actually Bratton's lane in the 1700s. So between numbers 69 and 70, Dunphy's Lane was a lane where the AIB ATM actually is now located. Yeah. So it was located between Sherlock's Lane, which is O'Gorman's Cafe, and White's Lane, which is up, up near the number 70, far, a lot farther up the street. So right in between 
uh, there is number 64 and 65, which is a modern-day ATM. Now, Dunphy's Lane was possibly previously known, before it was blocked up, as Bratton's Lane. So that is one theory, that he lived... As you can see where the facade is in the ATM, mm. you can see that it, you can almost visualise it in yourself that a lane was blocked up, mm. but that could have been Derby Bratton's home. Further up the street then, in between numbers 69 and 70, White's Lane is also another theory about being Bratton's home. It incorporated into the streetscape. It is still visible to certain... You can kind of see where the brickwork kind of changes. Um, it existed somewhere between Hopkins Lane and Sherlock's Lane, and both Dunphy's Lane, which is now blocked up, and Weiss Lane, which is now blocked up, are the two most relevant and probably where he did live. Now, Darby Bratton's most infamous moment arrived on the 15th of March, 1766, opposite St. Peter and Paul's Church, which is now called today Gladstone Street. It was here that Darby Bratton carried out the hanging, drawing and quartering of Father Nicholas Sheehy. Even by the standards of the day, the execution of this priest and vocal opponent of the sectarian penal laws was regarded as shocking by so many of the townsfolk. Today, the trial of Father Sheehy on a trumped-up charge of murder is viewed by many as a totally heinous act by a vengeful local aristocracy angered at the priest's involvement at agitation and organising against the sectarian penal laws. After this, of course, if you go up a modern-day marketplace, you will see uh, that there is a mural dedicated to Father Nicholas Sheehy. Obviously, that is one of the most seminal moments in Clonmel's entire history. But what happened to the man who carried out such a brutal execution? Well, the truth is we don't really know. There's about four or five different stories about how Derby died, where Derby went. There was one account, and I picked this particular one because it was uh, it appeared in the Nationalist na- newspaper on the 2nd of November 91, so it claimed that Bratton actually went on to be an executioner in Kilkenny, and he was stoned to death by an angry mob after he executed a local farmer in Phillipstown, County Kilkenny. It goes on to say that his body actually lay untouched beneath the gallows for three days because the townsfolk believed this man was truly, truly evil. Again, whether it's true, whether it's not true, Darby Brahan and Brahan's Lane will forever live in the memory of Clonmel as well as the heinous act he carried out in hanging, drawing and quartering Father Nicholas Sheehy in, our, in the streets of our town. Dean McGrath, as always, thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. Historic Clonmel. A clothing swap shop is coming to Zero Waste Marketplace on Anglesey Street on Saturday the 4th of November. Now it's on from 12 to 2pm. Now here's how it works. You're asked to bring five items of good quality clothing or accessories and swap them for five of someone else's. Bring five, take five. Love that idea. Now our friends at Clonmel Rugby Club have been on to let us know that the IRFU, your club, your country super draw is on again this year. And remember, all funds raised go to... Clonmel RFC. Tickets are just €10 with some seriously good prizes on offer. Go to their Facebook page for all the details. Clonmel Rugby Football Club. Clonmel Community Conversations. Let's Talk Substance Use is coming to Hotel Manila on Wednesday, the 25th of October. That's next Wednesday at 7.30pm. More details and bookings on the Tipperary Volunteer Centre Facebook page. A Mantra Night is coming to White Hart Healing, located at the Ormond Centre, across from the railway station. It's on Tuesday, the 24th of October, from 7 to 8pm, and it's free entry. Nice one. 
Lonigan's Bar reopened last weekend and you'd be glad to know their pool room is open seven days a week, Monday to Thursday from 10.30am to 11.30pm, Fridays and Saturdays 10.30am to 12.30am and on Sundays from 12.30pm to 11pm. So if you like a game of pool, that is the place to go to. St Mary's Parochial School Western Road are having an open day on Wednesday the 25th of November. It's on between 5 and 7pm. All are welcome to come along and uh, see the school. The Presentation Secondary School and the CBS High School present Rock of Ages at the White Memorial Theatre from the 23rd to the 26th of October. For tickets and more information, go to the Presentation Secondary School Clonmel Facebook page. TY students from some of the schools around town are organising a Christmas market at the Kickham Plaza on the 16th and 17th of December and inviting all businesses to come along and take part. For more, go to the CBS High School Clonmel Facebook page. As I was saying last week, do love an old Christmas market. St Mary's Choral Society presents Cinderella at the White Memorial Theatre from the 27th of November to the 2nd of December with no show on the 29th of November. Tickets are €15 Euros and can be bought from the QR code on their Facebook page. Old Bridge FC are having their annual Night at the Dogs on Friday, the 27th of October at the Clonmel Greyhound Stadium. Tickets are €10 Euros from any committee member, the players and from the Immigrants Rest Bar. There'll be a raffle for a variety of top prizes on the night with all funds going towards Old Bridge FC. All Across Physio and Yoga have a new six-week yoga class starting very soon. Also, a new beginner's class, €90 per person, €45 for the online course. And for more, you can email info at allacrossphysio.ie. County Tipperary Chamber are celebrating International Men's Day with an afternoon for you to take time out, network and mingle at the Talbot Hotel. It's on Friday the 17th of November at 2pm and guest speaker for the afternoon is, yes, Joe Rooney, Father Damo from Father Ted. Price is €40 for members, €60 for non-chamber members and for more, go to www.countytipperarychamber.com. Lisrona National School Parents Association are holding a Christmas jumper table quiz at the Coachman Bar Parnell Street on Friday, December the 1st at 8pm. Table of four, just €20. There will be a prize for the best Christmas jumper and lots of raffle prizes too. If, like me, you've got loads of old broken tat lying around in the shed at home and you're thinking, I'll have a throw this out or one day get it fixed, well, why not take it to the Clonmel Repair Cafe? It's on on Saturday, the 29th of October, at Zero Waste Marketplace in Anglesey Street. They'll look after you there. And also, why not visit their toy library? Clonmel Rotary are having a charity dinner dance on Friday, the 10th of November at Hotel Manila. 7.30 till late. Music by the Tipperary Ramblers. And the price is €60. And all proceeds do go to Concert. To get your tickets, contact Phil Guida on this number, 087... That writing's really small. Hang on. 087... 785-1504. That's 087-785-1504. Or Panda Carpets on this number, 052-61-242-00. And you heard Phil Guida talking about this on last week's Clonmel podcast. Now let's talk Halloween, the scariest time of the year. And by the way, the Clonmel podcast Halloween special is on next weekend. More on that coming up during the week on social media. Check it out. A kid's Halloween disco is coming to the Kilsheelan K-Plan Hall on Monday, the 30th of October, from 4 to 6 p.m. 
Five euros per child, under threes go free, adult supervision is required, and there'll be prizes and a raffle too. Funds go towards the KPA Playground Fund. The Bellevue Academy are holding a Halloween camp for three to five-year-olds on Monday the 30th and Tuesday the 31st of October from 9am to 1pm and for six to 12-year-olds on Wednesday the 1st of November and Friday the 3rd of November. There'll be lots of spooky fun going on here, including ghostly games, deadly dancing, creepy costumes and lots more. Now, the price is €40 Euros for the three to five-year-olds and €60 Euros for six to twelves. You can book at www.bellevueacademy.com. The Sandtrap Cafe at Slevenamon Golf Club will be running a Halloween competition from the 24th to the 5th of November for the best costume. Don't forget they're open, by the way, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday from 11am to 4pm. The Talbot Hotel are running their Halloween Swim Skills Workshop again this year. It's from the 31st of October to the 3rd of November. There are two separate groups aimed at beginners to the more advanced swimmers for ages 4 to 12 years. Get more info on their social media pages. The Tipperary Museum of Hidden History are having a spooky gallery tour on Saturday the 28th of October from 11am to 2pm. There'll be a spooky tour around the museum gallery, stories of witches, fairies, executions and lots more. Admission is free, but booking is required either through Eventbrite or museum at tipperarycoco.ie or why not call this number 052 616-5252 and children must be accompanied by an adult. The Clonmel Library are having a Halloween party and story time with games and prizes for the best costume. It's on Tuesday the 31st of October, Halloween at 3pm. And even though it's free, you'll need to book your place, which you can do so by calling this number 052-616-6130. Now this year's Clonmel Zombie Walk will take place at the Kick and Barracks Plaza on the 31st of October. All gets underway at 6pm. There'll be music from Axis and also the brilliant After Eden and Mad Patsy with many frights along the way. So enjoy the zombie walk this year. A Halloween play event comes to Hillview Sports Club on Saturday the 28th and Sunday the 29th of October. There'll be bouncy castles, music lights, giant games and lots more. All the details on electricpartyrentals.ie. Imperium Showcase present Halloween at the Coachman on Friday the 27th of October. There'll be live pole, aerial hoop, burlesque and drag performances and a pop-up shop by Lace and Tassels. Doors open at 7pm. The show starts at 8 and tickets are just €15 Euros from the door. Southeastern Mountain Rescue present the long way round, a 15k fundraising walk run for SEMRA. You can register now on Eventbrite. Now they're also looking for volunteers. Is that you? To help them out on the day. Route marshals, registration helpers, people to hand out the jellies, make the tea, that sort of thing. If you're interested, email volunteer lwr at semra.ie. That's volunteer lwr at semra.ie. The Feathered Community Group Circle of Friends present a lip-sync battle at Hotel Manila on Sunday, the 29th of October at 8pm. Tickets are €25 Euros in aid of South Tipperary Hospice, and you can pick them up from the Feathered Post Office or any committee member. Now, how about some bingo? It's on this coming Monday at Hillview Sports Club. Jackpot stands at €1,000, two grand in prize money. Eyes down at 8 o'clock, and you also get tea and coffee from Seamus and maybe a bickie or two at halftime. 
Now, due to flooding down the Blue Way, the Clonmel Park run for tomorrow has been cancelled. However, the Feathered Park run will be going ahead at the Town Park at 9.30am and all are welcome. The Clonmel Podcast Job Spot. Now, jobs this week, what have we got? Well, Nagel's Bar and Guest House in Kilsheelan are looking to hire part-time and weekend floor staff. If interested, email your CV to nagelskilsheelan at gmail.com. That's nagelskilsheelan at gmail.com. Raheen House are looking to hire an experienced housekeeper. 30 hours a week, 9am to 3pm or 10am to 4pm. Email Kathy at this address if interested, raheenmarketing at gmail.com or call Claire on this number, 052 <laughs> I love this. Dove Hill out the N24 are looking for elves to join Santa and his team at Santaland at Dove Hill this year. If you're interested, email dovehillsanta at blarney.com. dovehillsanta at blarney.com. Brilliant. The Butter Market Coffee House in Market Street are looking for a deli assistant, full-time, part-time. You can drop in your CV there if interested or email o'connell-tracy at outlook.com. Bakers and baristas at the Showground Shopping Centre are looking for staff, must be flexible and able to work weekends, two to four days a week. You can pop in your CV there to apply. Mulcahy's in town are looking for a deli slash carver server. Email your CV if interested to info at mulcahys.ie. Michael Garney's are hiring. It's a full-time position, Monday to Friday. You can send your CV to caroline.freeney at michaelgarney.com. And finally, the Village Grill Clara Hannah looking to hire a store supervisor where you'll oversee the day-to-day running of the store. You must be able to work with the team, flexible working hours, and an experience in the food industry desired. If interested, email your CV to hughodonnell1 at gmail.com. That's hughodonnell1 at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise a job on the Clonmel Podcast, just email theclonmelpodcast at gmail.com. Now, time for this week's interview, and I took a trip to Marlefield to meet up with Bernie Lennon. Bernie Lennon, welcome to the Clonmel Podcast. Thank you, Mark. We're in your garage here in Marlefield. We were supposed to meet by the lake, but the rain was so bad, and we, I, I got the idea. I knew you had vintage cars, and I've now come into your lovely garage here to see you've got two classic cars here. Can you describe what you have there, Bernie? Well, I can start with the oldest one, which is a 1933 Austin 10 4. She's all of around 1,000cc. She moves at a snail's pace. Uh, they were quite reliable. Uh, they were cutting-edge technology at their time because the car had good brakes, peculiar enough. It, it really can stop. It has a four-speed gearbox, synchromesh on possibly three dependent. So is that where you have to double the clutch? You double the clutch up and down. And if you get it right, perfect change. If you don't know. And if you don't, you'll be nearly looking at the back to see have you left a gear somewhere on the ground. <laughs> yeah, but you will make a lot, draw a lot of attention if you make a bad gear change. A lot of noises, would there? Yes. Amazing <laughs> noises. Where did you require this car? Uh, I had a 1926 um, Rally motorbike, which is a 250cc. I have an interest in motorbikes all my life. Mm. Originally, I had motorbikes when I was serving my time and when I was in my first flush of youth. And um, I swapped it for this car with a man from Leash. And I drove the car down and he kept the bike. What's it like to drive towards, I know you mentioned the gearbox, but on the road, what's it like to drive towards cars of today? 
uh, it's a different experience. Is it really? It doesn't like smooth roads. <laughs> it, you get them on a, a country road, it's grand because there was a tolerance that's built into the steering and the geometry of the steering is different and it's not direct steering like you have nowadays. If you had the, that sort of steering on old roads to break your wrist or that. It, mm, is, mm. it is just designed different and it's very happy on old roads. It's happy bumbling along and doesn't like to be rushed and change gears doesn't like hills either for that matter <laughs> uh, but it's quite happy going downhill and it will get you there and th those cars covered serious distance i have parts of the original diary of the car it's south african oh really yeah peculiar enough it's 12 volt it was 12 volt originally mm. very solid it is no rotner no rot whatsoever no no of course the floors in it are timber you're joking they're timber floors ash no ash floors so oh wow they're normally nowadays replaced with um, marine ply mm. or something similar. And um, that's really it. Uh, grand little car for four people. No sort of heating of any shape or type. Well, really? in South Africa mightn't be needed. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah. Ireland is a, a different kettle of fish. One <laughs> windscreen wiper. One win God, no good to daylight today. It's a kind of um, a hit and miss affair. Really. <laughs> it sulks a bit when it wants to go. It's electric. It's 90 that's years it. old. 90 years oh old. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. 1933. And you, you, beside us here, you have a lovely Morris Minor as well. Yeah, I'm in the process of finishing off putting an alternator into the Morris Minor because that year the Morris Minor was also the alternator year. In fact, the alternators have been in Morris Minors two or three years previously in the van version because the post office in the UK bought a lot of Morris Minors, but on account of the fact that themselves and the power companies had radios which were savage on usage of batteries. Ah. Uh, an alternator would uh, charge a lot quicker at a lot lower revs. And where'd you get this car from, Bernie? I bought that in Dublin. Yeah. It's a Dublin car. Irish Reg, yeah. Irish Reg, born and reared, well, reared and assembled and reared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gorgeous car. And you're sitting, we're doing the interview, of course, as we said, in the garage, and you're sitting on a Heinkel, is that a right? Heinkel Tourist. This is a, like a, a motorbike-y scooter thing, it, is it? Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's after the war. A lot of the German manufacturers of war materials were... Mm kept far away from making anything of the same again. Mm -hmm. So Heinkel, who made bombers, mm -hmm. um, thought it was a good idea to produce motorbikes. Mm -hmm. And they also produced bubble cars, of which there was a factory in Drada. Go well, away. Not in Drada, in Dundalk. Really? Yeah. Oh, and wow. uh, they produced quite a amount of them, a few thousand of them in Ireland. And um, in the UK, they're known as Trojans, mm -hmm. the bubble cars. The scooter's the same. It's an electric start, oh, wow. even though it is 1965. They were electric start from the late 50s, early 60s, and... Um, do you ever take it out? It's 12 volt. I do, yeah. Yeah. I won the Tipperary Cup in the twice there the last two years. Did you? I wasn't in it this year because I'm suffering from a few pains and aches now and I just wouldn't sit that long. That's from driving that old Austin around. That's why I got the yeah. aches and pains. You're <laughs> rattling around in there. <laughs> if, you, if you look at the calendar, you'll understand why the aches and pains. Tell me about the Tipperary Cup. Uh, it's run by the Tipperary Light Car and uh, Motor uh, to Bray Lake Car Motorcycle Club. Mm. Uh, Michael Sheen will be the, the man in particular in Tanner's Rat to contact on yeah. that. And um, the, what you call it, the chap at the Flaherty's would be the man who looks after the motorbike side right. of it. Okay. And um, yeah, he liked the bike and he liked me. <laughs> That's fantastic. So it really is. They would normally have about 20, 30 bikes on their runs, usually from the Mile Rovers outside or from the halfway. And uh, yeah. You're also involved, and I think I met you during the summer out in Powerstown with the Clonmel Veteran Vintage and Classic Car Club. 
Yeah, I'm the secretary of that club for my pains <laughs> or my sins, whichever you like. That's a great event, though, isn't it? It's a great event. It's a huge fundraising event because we've, we're mm. now pushing a quarter of a million oh, wow. in the sort of money we've raised. You know, That's we're, fantastic. We are done very well, raised a lot of money. We always try to look after a local cause or local people who are suffering from something. And um, yes, it's very well supported. It's one of our best years. Uh, a lot of cars. Powerstone Park is a brilliant spot for it because everything that passes on the N24 passes it. Yeah. They can see it in yeah. the, because the field is on a slope. So no matter how you look, you'll yeah. see cars. You're not looking at the roofs, you're looking at the, the fronts of them. We naturally know facing towards the road as well for that reason. <laughs> that we get the, well thought out. Yeah, wasn't we it? get the, the, a little bit of cheap advertising <laughs> in. And, um, yeah, and we usually raffle a car as well at it. You do, am I right in saying last year it was a Saab, wasn't it? Uh, or this year, this sorry, year it was a Saab. Saab. Yeah, the it previous was. year was a, a Mercedes, a lovely Mercedes. Ooh, nice. And, um, yeah, and like somebody for a five or a ten or is going to go home with a car. Yeah, beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Now, because you've you got to love the classic cars, is there an ultimate classic car that you'd love to own? Or have you owned it already? No, what I would love to own, uh, of all things, would be a Messerschmitt KR200. Okay, explain what that is. That is a bubble car. Oh, right. That looks like the top end of it or the middle of it was taken from a fighter aircraft. You get into it by climbing into it like you would with a plane. You raise the top of it and okay. you climb into it. You're joking. And instead of a steering wheel, you have what looks like a pilot's yoke. They made a lot of them, about 100,000. These are serious <laughs> items. But the only one thing is there's very little protection if you hit at them. Yeah. And they're um, two-stroke. And... Uh, they were um, phenomenally successful, but the Heinkel themselves and BMW and many, many other companies produced them uh, because you could drive many of them on a motorcycle license for a start off because they were three wheelers, uh, like Delby. Oh, and, right, uh, yeah, the old Robin Reliant. <laughs> and not alone that, but they were very cheap draw. These things were return 85 to 100 miles to the gallon in old measurements. Oh, wow. Which was serious. Mm. But they're only a motorbike, ain't mm, mm. With, um you wouldn't be going over 40 miles right. an hour, yeah, and that yeah. would be on a flat road of a good day without a headwind. Yeah. But these were get you to work at that time, the same as the little old bike I have there behind me. Yeah, HI registration I yeah, see as well. Which, which is a get to work bike that was in the 1950s, that's 1956 Clamwell bike. And what is that? What make of bike is that? That's a James Cadet, a J5, 225cc, a two-stroke. Um, yeah, it's, it goes grand up to about 35, 40 mile an hour if you're feeling brave, mm. and um, that's it. You've got so many knickknacks apart from yeah. bikes and cars in, in your garage here. I have an old Russ and Hornsby engine there as well. And, uh, Is that a chassis car. over there I see as well? That's a chassis for a knockout <laughs> engine. Uh, <laughs> a spare, and I have a, most of the spares, all the suspensions and uh, running gear and that, just to be on that. They don't make them any longer, like, you know? No, they don't. Am I right in saying you, you were born in Clonmel but lived in Powerstown? I was born in Clonmel and were reared in what would be known as um, King Street. The back of the flats, there was two houses. I was, we were neighbours with John Noonan, who would be of the Noonan Joinery yeah. family. And my father bought Powerstown in 1954. There's the old school house because they built a new school up the road. And when we moved in, there was no electricity, no anything. What year would that roughly That would be 1954, 56. That was our period out there. Mm. And um, I was there till I got married. 
Theatre of the Mile Rovers, served Mass, which naturally enough being across the church was a good little... Uh, Hang on, you served the Mass? Yeah. As in altar boy? Altar boy, the old style in Latin. No way. With a proper surplus on you. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yes. So masses were Latin back then? Mass, masses were in Latin, yeah. Oh yes, it, I have still all the responses in Latin. No. My brother served it as well. Oh my Jerome, God. Yeah, we were to serve Mass. And a few of the local lads. But being across the road, I was the go-to for the masses where there mightn't be a funeral or a wedding. And um, Did you get a few bob for that? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, that's one of the motivations. Yeah, I'll you, do it. You get nothing like for saying the Mass for the priest. Yeah. But if there was a wedding, you could take a half crown to five shillings. Right, know. okay. The funerals wouldn't be as good. Mm. And, um, yeah. Oh, wow. That was definitely the pictures here. Sound for the Ritz of the Ocean for a... Yeah, eh? All right. Who were the priests back uh, then? Father Conway, Father Tobin. Father Conway married my parents nearly 70 years ago. That's so long ago. Mm. I remember a small little man. Was he? He'd break into Irish when he would be actually saying, uh, giving a sermon. <laughs> And he was more interested in the time he spent in the Holy Land than the time he was spent in Ireland, I can tell you that. We would get lots of talk about what the Holy Land looked like and what the Garden of Gethsemane looked like and what it was like to walk down Jericho and Jerusalem and Bethlehem. Like he was like a, a walk and travelogue. Very, very interesting man. Lovely little old man. What was Mass like back then? Was it busy? Mass was huge. Mm. Mass was huge. It was the social event. Everyone went to Mass, didn't they? It went to Mass, and if you had any bit of serious information or scandal mm. to spread, that's where you hit it. <laughs> because there was an audience. Right. So there was kind of two listenerships at Mass. You had the listenership up front who were praying, and the listenership in the back of the church who were talking. Oh, God. So there was more than one heifer sold in the back of that church, and there was more than one plot of land set, and there was more than one field of be tinned, I can tell you, yeah. And regularly the priest to make a raid or send someone down to make a raid in the back of the church to hunt them up. No way. You'd have the, you'd, the church would be gassed to look down and you'd see it from the top and that the top <laughs> end of the church was full. An empty middle of about maybe a half dozen pews, there might be nothing in them. And then the crowd at the back. So the priest would come down and say, right, well, to the front. Well, someone would come down and someone to hunt them up and which church that only lasted for a few masses, maybe two masses or three masses or back to... Am I right in saying, now we were talking off air, that priests used to have their back to the congregation? That's correct. Why was that? Well, it was the older way. They, they were celebrating Mass in Latin. Okay. And um, there's quite a, you know, it, it was the way they were trained mm. at that time. And that's the way they said Mass. And, you know, the Vatican Council and John, Paul, John Pope John XXIII really uh, turned the... How would you say it? The cart upside down. Mm. First of all, he told him to get rid of a lot of uh, the accoutrements of the, the church. And the priest turned around and faced the people and start, started speaking the language of the, the population. You know. And, you know, being an altar boy, were you ever tempted to get into the priesthood? Join the priesthood? No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. No, I never <laughs> had any um, inclinations in that manner. No, I was more interested in motorbikes and girls. Even back then? Well, I was grown up like that. Yeah, of oh, course, yes, yeah. Yes, 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 and I'm yes. sure, you know, it must have been very cool to, to ride a bike to try and impress a girl back then as well, wasn't it? Well, girls were not as impressed with bikes as fellas were. That's why... Oh, really? As the, <laughs> as the relationship either got serious or you were serious about something, you would quickly morph from the bike into the car. <laughs> you know. What was your first car? Can you remember? 
the first car I bought was a Morris Minor and um, the springs came up to the back of it one night going up the mountain. <laughs> I won't ask now why you're going up the mountain there now, Bernie. Well, it's the, the nights that climb out. Yeah, these things happen. Uh, oh. I won't tell any tales about the school now. Just in case you could be listening, if you're still around. Well, there you go. What about school? Where did you go to school then? Was it Powerstone? Oh, school in Powerstone, yeah. Mm. And I went to school in Powerstone, went to the high school then for a few years, then served my time. Father was uh, in the building trade, father was a stonemason by trade. <coughs> but at that time you had to serve your um, apprenticeship with a contractor. Okay. So I started my apprenticeship with Fahey and Calicis of Kesha. Okay. And my brother, when his time came up, he started his apprenticeship with Bobby Disney in Clanmel. Ah, right, so okay. That's why Jerome does the monumental sculpture. That's why Disney used to do the headstones, didn't he? They? Does the head, so he that's does, right. does, he does uh, figures and he does statues mm. and stuff like that now. All the animals and that. Uh, no he's, way. He's good at it. Really? Good. Very oh, wow. good, yeah. I must have a chat with him. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> if you can get him to talk, you would definitely. Yeah. And um, so, what about yourself then? So, did you go into that trade? I went into the trades. Me time. Unusual thing you mightn't realise was mm. our family built the Roger Casement Memorial in Banner Strand. No way. Yeah. Oh my no, God. we do. Um, the stone came from the military barracks in Tipperary Town. Yeah. And uh, we built the memorial, and um, I'm trying to remember, it's McCormick's as far as I remember, or Fogarty, of, of Templemore, McCormick's as far as I remember, supplied the needles. There's an obelisk needle in it, like Cleopatra's needle, right. in the centre. Mm. And um, you go up and you walk around it and you come down again. It's built on Banner Strand and the land was donated by a man called Ned Stack. And I was there from the very start to the very end. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's really interesting. So the pictures of me with Captain Monteith's daughter. and Go away, like that. really? Yeah. That is with, so um, interesting. So, yeah. so you, you stayed in that trade? No, I um, I went into Clamell Corporation. Oh, okay. Uh, there was a, a cement strike on. There was little or no work then to Clamell Corporation. And... I worked me up from that, I became clerk of works, then I went, became the housing foreman, looked after housing in Clamell. Then I went up to the St. Luke's Hospital in Clamell as general foreman. And shortly after that, then the hospital services all morphed into the Southeastern Health Board. And I became the county, how would you say, county foreman, if you like, There's all sorts of names. They used to call us maintenance supervisor, technical service supervisor, near so they sent me back to school, done a degree in Dublin, done diplomas in Dublin. And, uh, Isn't that great though, to do that? Yeah, they were good with me. Yeah. And of course, when I'm done then, I don't like all Irish fellas, I linked it up to Limerick to work for the Midwestern Health Board and I was their fire officer and their safety officer until I retired. And they sent me over to the UK to train in the fire services. Ah. And I used to, train, I used to study in the British School of Engineering in Northampton. When did you move to Marlowe? did you say then? We came out here in 1971, we bought the house, uh, we got married in 72, moved into the house and we haven't gone anywhere since. It's a beautiful house. Yeah. And Marleyfield well, is now, gorgeous. this is a rather different house than we bought it. Really? There's a horse inside in, in one end of it. Was it? Yeah. And water in another end. <laughs> but we, we rose the house, as you can see, the steps up to the back door there. And um, so to make sure that no matter what happened, our house was higher than the road outside, which it is. Very good. And you're heavily involved in the, with the village, aren't you, and the association? Yeah, the second, um, I'm the secretary of the village since the day it was founded. It was founded in my house, and the village was set up on the 30th of the 9th, 1985. We're nearly, we've just gone past the 30th of the 9th, which yeah, is kind of, uh, yeah. 
There were 17 of us in the beginning of the first meeting and there's still eight of us alive, which is not bad. And we're set up to mind the village, mm. protect the trees of all things, because the council is going to knock all the, 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 what you call the lovely cherry trees coming down. What's going on with the trees and people knocking trees down or attempting to knock trees down? The same with the ones in town, remember that? They're yeah, the, the council are, 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 are they're, they're cut, if you like, between two mm. opposing forces. Road safety and environment. Right. Road safety means that, well, you want to keep the roads clean. You don't want too many leaves on the road. There's okay. a problem with leaves. Yeah. Uh, water pooling on the road. You have a problem with branches may fall. Roads get slippy. And the environment will say, no, you should leave later. Mm. Let later mm. do its thing. Mm. We're mm. only the late arrivals on the scene. So that is always going to be a discussion. And sometimes I feel for the, the council staff and the, the engineers, it's not, they don't go around willy-nilly saying, knock that tree, right, knock that yeah. tree. They may have to do it. They have to see it with a different set of eyes. Okay. And that is going to be always the tug of war that is between them. And, and I think, I mean, I know up to recently you had trouble with people speeding through the village and the speed ramps were put mm. in, weren't they here? Yeah, we've got the speed ramps. We're delighted with them. They're very effective. Mm. Oh, they the are. The motorists don't like them. Mm. <laughs> but if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing at 50 kilometres an hour, they're quite gentle. They are not vicious ramps. Mm. But if you're going to clip it at, you know, 60, 70 kilometres an hour, you'll know it. You know, you'll see a bit of daylight under the wheel when you're gone over it. Has the village changed at all since you moved in all those it years ago? Kind of hasn't, it hasn't. Um, physically, the village has more or less stayed the same. Mm. We haven't suffered from a rash of building. Yeah. There was, um, back in, you know, the late 80s, in 85 or so, there was, a, no, sorry, in 75 to 80, there was the house of Mountain View were built and the house up the Moors Road were built and some bungalows. And since then, we entered into some sort of a time warp mm. where we didn't do anything. Right. And then that is basically where it's staying. And now there's in the process, there's 49 houses are in the process of being granted planning permission subject to an appeal. And that will more or less um, possibly put new life into our village. And what we want to do is if that's successful, we want to incorporate them in our village. And we are trying now to pivot our village towards that. So you, you will have noticed that we're big into the walking circuits. Long yeah, before um, the greenways became pop, we had the walking circuit of Marlefield and where Patrick's Will was at 63 steps down and 63 back up again. <laughs> uh, very good for the, the yeah. body. Yeah. yeah, They get a good nice clean out of the lungs. There. And um, we have now got uh, Sandy Banks Marina. Yeah, Sandy Banks looks lovely. Yeah, and that's, that's only starting now. It looks a bit... Uh, how would you say, a bit raw around the edges now because we want to leave the grass grow as long as possible so that it develops a decent butt to it which will protect it from wear and that and let winter on it and it needs to get a roll now when it is ready again and yeah. And you've got the coast, the, the gorgeous lake here as well. Yes, and that's a man-made lake. See, that's not really a lake. It's known locally as the still pond. So that's why the roadway down by Marlapy Lake, inverted commas, is known as the pond side. Oh. That is the name of the road, pond side. It was a pond, a still pond or a, or a mill pond, depending on what your viewpoint is. Can I ask you something there? Um, being to the lake many times, because it is beautiful, and when you're looking across, there's like a little tiny hut or a house. What is, what is that? That was a bathing house. No way. Yeah, that's what it actually is on the very old drawings. Yeah. Um, there was a time when, well, there was a big house there, if you like, to view, and they would probably come down and maybe a few of them might swim because 
I have never been over there to really check. It was in private property. Of course, yeah. As to whether um, it's actually suitable for swimming or not. Mm, mm. Now, one word of caution with Marleyfield Lake, there's near enough a thousand birds on Marleyfield Lake. And I would water my plants here with what I would call miracle grow. Right, yeah. So you can, <laughs> imagination <laughs> should do the rest. Like, the birds don't leave the lakes when they want to um, attend to nature. Right, yeah. <laughs> so in case you were thinking of anything like that, just bear that in mind. It's not. And, and St. Yeah. Patrick's Well? St. Patrick's Well is a natural well mm. fed down from back up Glen Connor and that. It's um, alkali water, which means it's quite hard, but it's excellent for drinking. I believe it has a very, very good uh, mixing ability with whiskey. Oh, really? So, uh, those in the know... Where'd you find that out from now, Bernie? Huh? Where'd you find that out from now? Uh, from an individual <laughs> one day, I found it going up in a few bottles. Not to mention the man's soul, but he gave me a long discourse on how this made excellent, excellent additive to whiskey. But then wasn't Jameson Irish whiskey distilled here at the beginning, wasn't it? Yeah, Jameson Steins were the people who built... Um, mm the mill and it produced around 8,000 gallons of whiskey. Mm, oh. was at it. This was serious, yeah. serious. Yeah. Well, whiskey and milling in Ireland, I mean, we were way, way bigger than the Scotch and whiskey. Mm. You know, this, you know, Ishka. Mm, whiskey. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Oh, you know, Ishka Baha, the water of life is what whiskey is supposed to be. And I think it brought life back to many of the I've seen people yeah. up in uh, the well as well, bathing in it for yeah. pulled, pulled mussels or things like that. Yeah, it's the cold water. It's like a cold compass. Um, I'm not too sure of the logistics of going down 63 steps with a sprained ankle <laughs> <laughs> for to bathe in the well. But you probably run up the steps after. It's a miracle. Maybe. That's what the miracle <laughs> is. Maybe the ankle is so numb that you don't realise to get to the top. But it's... um. Again, like a well, all wells with healing properties, they were, come from the Celtic background of the well. And if you go down to Marleyfield Well, it's set down in a lovely little vale of its own. Mm. It's very silent. Mm. The only noise you'll actually hear there is the train. Because right, the road yeah. noise actually passes over your head. Yeah. And um, it's water, it's wood, and it's silence. And the Celts were serious into those sort of places. St. Patrick is reputedly have to come along Bless the well, and it became it's beautiful. Absolutely, the, the whole area yeah. here is gorgeous. So. I know it's in your garage. There's a there's a poster on the wall there uh, of yourself. I gather you oh, went for local government elections. Is I that did. right? I did. I went twice, and I didn't get elected. Ah, so I come mean, on, just, yeah. I see Tom Ambrose's name there. Noel yeah. Denny, he and that's yourself. It. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They got elected. I didn't. No, this could be a stupid question because. I think I may know what your answer is, but do you have a favourite part of Clonmel? Um, Marleyfield, where I live, naturally. to say, yeah. And Powerstone. Yeah, Powerstone. Now, I know Powerstone, I've roamed it mm. naturally enough, you know, that was the natural thing you do as a 12, 15 year old young fella, mm. yeah. All around there. Yeah, there used to be uh, girls just come home from England. We used to have a thing called Powers Cross. Now, that would be when you continue up past the church, go back yep. up the hill at the far side. When you drop down the far side, there's a four crossroads. Okay. Some of it goes down to your namesakes. Oh, right, Laganore, that's where. No. Yeah. No? Whelan's. The Whelan's? Oh. Yeah. P H E L A N S. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, Whelan's, yeah. The powers of horse pasture. One road went to Ballinvore, the other road went to Dew, and the other one came back to Powerstone. We used to have Skittles, we used to have just about everything. 
some people might call it a bit of scutting rather than skittles. <laughs> but look, we had marvellous times. That's where we headed of it at night time. Yeah, so good times growing up in Powerstown then. There were innocent times. We even mm. had a, a soccer team, which was called Dune Rangers. Oh, way. I was how involved in the start of that, yeah. Yeah, and how did Dune Rangers get on? Uh, it's, um, it collapsed. Uh, <laughs> I won't go into it. Oh, okay. We were doing grand. We played teams in town, and naturally enough, we got expelled, of course, from the GA, which was the natural. Then we got readmitted immediately again. So. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, that was the, the life at the time, like this. And we're kind of like Groucho you know. Can we just get back to the church in Powerstown? You were telling me a story before we started about a lady frying up food. The priest breakfast. The priest breakfast. Yes. This was... Was this now during Mass? Oh, yeah. Okay, so Mass would be on. Mass would be on and the breakfast would be started before Mass was ended. Otherwise, the priest would get no bread. It would be half an order. And um, there was an old uh, chapel woman and... It's in Powerstown yeah. Church. Do you want to name the lady? Nanny, Nanny Mara, Lord of Mercy. Okay. Nanny used to fry the, the breakfast. <laughs> and it just been marvellous. You could smell it. So this, is, this is wafting into the, the congregation. Yeah, well, the their door would be usually closed, but it might be closed enough. <laughs> and the parishioners used to supply the breakfast. Right. Oh, really? So the quality of the breakfast would often depend on the parishioners that supplied it. So sometimes there'd be four or six sausages, you know, maybe two or three eggs. And if they want to appear a bit generous, a bit of black pudding, a bit of white pudding, you know, some rashers, a few, few cuts of bread and butter. And everything, of course, is cooked in butter. Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, we'd be falling weak, you see. And it could be Father Conway. Father Tobin wasn't that keen on the breakfast. Father Conway would have the, the breakfast there and uh, he'd, what you call, we could get a sausage and before we Very good. It was, it was it's completely different. You can't um, explain it nowadays because... For a start off, most of them have never seen anyone cook over a fire except they're on the Boy Scouts. Right, so this was an old fire she was... This was an old fire and there was two little um, swing, uh, what you call it, rests or just hobs that you used to swing out. Mm. You used to very often on fires and you put the, the teapot on them with the kettle. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the main thing was to get up enough heat in the fire. And that would mean you'd have to be lighting the fire well before Mass had started mm, mm. to get the heat up, to get the coals red enough and... Yeah, it was different times. Any uh, accidents at all? Oh, no time the thing might flare up and, yeah, someone might have to be coming off the altar to, to, to carry it out, <laughs> out of the door. But well, I, I have an awful feeling that somehow or other it wasn't, what was in it wasn't thrown out. <laughs> I, I think once the fire went out, or you'd have to take it off, the, another person had to throw a towel over it. Or <laughs> It's just, it's something else, Good days. They were different, there, but they're like, um, they're the memories of our times, where oh. the memories of today's times might be electronic goods or yeah. your your first Commodore computer or something, uh, PlayStation or something like that, you know. Do you know what? It's been lovely hearing your story and you reminiscing about those old days. Bernie Lennon, thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. The Clonmel Podcast. Thank you, Bernie. So there we have it. That is the Clonmel Podcast for this Friday, the 20th of October. Now, before I go, time to announce the winners of our hashtag Where's Mella competition. Mella was indeed at Sir Thomas's Bridge or the bridge with the traffic lights on the way to Rathgormick Berry House that way, as some people had said. The draw has been done. Well done to this week's winners, Louis underscore Quirk on Instagram and Isabel DeBarra on Facebook. You both received the very nice Clonmel podcast mug. And don't forget to keep a lookout for Mella next week as well. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email the Clonmel Podcast at gmail.com. You'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, and also X, formerly known as Twitter. Next week, it's the Clonmel Podcast Halloween Special. Keep an eye on social media for more details. Have a great week. Look after one another. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by the Village Grill Clarahan. Have you checked out their fantastic food truck yet? It's also available for corporate hire like company events and staff appreciation lunches or just for a nice Friday treat for the workers. And they also cater for smaller numbers. For more, go to www.soulpanfoodtruck.ie. You've been listening to the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Produced by West 10 Audio Productions. Your town, your podcast.